Welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and I'm joining you solo today. Um, Couldn't gather anybody up to talk about this one, but it's a pretty good episode. Um, But we're going to talk about Season 1, Episode 9, La Grande Illusion. So from what I can tell via Google, this title pulls from a 1937 film about some French World World War One. Obviously, it's 1937. World War Two hadn't happened yet. Um, but it's some um, French POWs who plot their escape. Oh, sure. Not surprisingly, this has absolutely nada to do with the episode. But <laughs> it is what it is at this point. I mean, I think we we can all roll with the punches. Um, we're going to shake things up a little bit this week and break the recap up by plot points, starting with an A plot and working our way down because we really don't get a ton of overlap. Most of our characters spend the episode doing their own thing. There's like one student lounge scene where the whole gang congregates to listen to Archie talk about his like music school thing, but that's about it. That's really all we get from inter- interlapping characters. So. The episode starts off with the most bonkers montage of our various families using (laughs) blossom maple syrup. Even the Coopers, like you think they would be like, you know, Mrs. Butterworth or die, but nope, they use uh, blossom maple syrup at their breakfast tables. And did you guys know that the maple syrup game is such a lucrative big business? And there's a maple syrup season, a season for for tapping maple trees. When is that exactly? I mean, I feel like the dead of winter, which we're led to believe this episode takes place in because of all the snow, like that's probably not a great choice for anything agricultural, but what do I know? So the maple syrup season kicks off with a tree tapping ceremony that is supposed to honor Jason, but he was knowingly murdered. So unfortunately for parents of the year, Cheryl will have to do. This is how she's gonna prove herself once and for all, and who better to join her for her emotional support? Archie Andrews, who has all the naivete of a golden retriever and a girlfriend. And she asks him by dropping the most ridiculous line of, Archie, if music be the food of love, play on, play on. (laughs) That's the weirdest reading of the weirdest line I've ever encountered in all of my television watching days. So crazy. Archie initially declines because he has a freaking girlfriend, but his attitude changes when Penelope Blossom scares the shit out of him at the water fountain in school and Loki bribes him with the prestigious summer music program. So... (laughs) This season, Archie is both the kindest guy in the world and the one who loses all morals and any sort of brain power when you say the word music. God bless him. At the tree tapping ceremony, Clifford reads from a literal scroll because it wouldn't be enough if the blossoms weren't too much. And thanks to a small pep top from Archie, Cheryl hits the maple tap on the first try because of course she did. She's hitting a thing with an axe. Like it's, it doesn't seem like it's that hard, but I don't know. She made a big deal out of being nervous about it. 
But of course, once the tree tapping ceremony is over, the Blossoms use their bribes to get Archie to keep up the ruse of taming Cheryl. So during, during one week, he accepts a guitar, a suit, another invitation to a Blossom banquet where it would have only been creepier and more uncomfortable if Zombie Jason had risen from the backyard cemetery and strolled through the dining room. But anyway, Fred warns him not to allow himself to be used. And Archie takes that to mean he should secure some benefits for his dad out of this too. Yeah, that's what he meant. Sweet, sweet baby angel. Uh, pantsless, because he doesn't know how tailors work apparently, Archie asks Clifford Blossom to forego the summer music program and stop harassing Fred's construction company instead. Clifford agrees, provided that Archie continue on as social beard for Cheryl. Cliff and Penelope's whole attitude is that nobody can tolerate Cheryl and that it's killing the Blossom family's chance of maintaining control over the very high stakes maple syrup business. Good grief. The one like shining silver lining of Cliff of Clifford insisting that Archie would provide a patriarchy upholding image for Cheryl's reputation is that that attitude is coming from an obvious villain because it's super problematic and I feel like we all know why if you don't just kindly see yourself out. Also, I'm pretty sure the only reason why they picked Archie is because he's a redhead, right? The whole thing falls to pieces though when Cheryl attempts to kiss him after the banquet. Even though he obviously has a girlfriend, I still feel really bad for Cheryl here. She is so incredibly vulnerable in this moment and I honestly feel like she just needed to feel wanted by somebody. That's all she needs. She just wants somebody to like her because she thinks everyone hates her, including her family. And I mean, I know Archie was not the right choice, but bless her heart. And her dress looks terrible on her. Viridian is not Cheryl's color. Like, why wasn't she in her trademark red? I don't know. Anyway, she's crushed, and while I felt bad for her at that bonkers pool scene, she channels some real fatal attraction vibes and scratches Archie out of the Blossom family tree tapping photo at the end, at the end of the episode. She also scratches out Polly's picture when Polly has been nothing but lovely to Cheryl. It's super weird. I am not sure what all that aggression is about. Um, the other point of note in Archie's brief time with the Blossom family is his low-key spy work for the Blo for the Coopers. Um, Alice wants him to, to spy on what shady business dealings, but Betty just wants to find out why Polly won't call, won't call, come home, or even return a message. Um, she probably just doesn't have anything to say, Betty, because she's barely a character. Duh. Oh, and we also learned that Polly is indeed having twins, one of each indeed, so Nana Blossom was right at the baby shower after all. Um, it turns out Polly is there to do some espionage work too. She believes that the Blossoms have something to do with Jason's death, and she agreed to move into Thornhill to find out why. I guess? I mean, that seems awfully risky to move in with people you believe murdered your boyfriend and like two episodes ago wanted to steal your baby out of your womb. So smart. So, 
I just, <laughs> I just can't with her. Um, but before you think Alice truly is more interested in the shadiness of the blossoms and not at all concerned with getting her daughter back, she goes so far as to throw a brick through the register's window screaming, I want my daughter back, you bastard, at Hal because he's so butthurt about Polly having a blossom baby and Alice being cool with it and kicking him out. <laughs> he changed the password on the computers there at the register so she couldn't work. Like, what a passive-aggressive way to fire your wife from the newspaper that she obviously is the entire backbone of. Like, have we ever seen Hal try to do any reporting or any form of journalism? I mean, maybe he's the editor, but, like, if you don't have a reporter, there's nothing to edit, asshole. Sorry, my voice is going away. <clears throat> And they do all of this in front of their youngest child. Like, they scream and fight with each other. And then she breaks a window throwing a brick at her kid's dad. Like, think of the therapy bills, people. Luckily for Betty, though, Jughead is there to pick up the pieces the next day for a very sweet bughead scene in the Blue and Gold office. It was, it was actually very, very sweet. Um... Over in the C plot of this episode, Veronica decides to be friends with Barb, aka Ethel Muggs, whom we haven't seen since she was the backbone of the operation that brought down Chuck Clayton and the rest of the pervy ass patriarchy of Riverdale High in episode three. But this week, she reads a very Sylvia Plath style poem that leads Veronica to think that she's suicidal. So Veronica is gonna take her under her wing and treat her like a fucking project. Veronica invites Ethel, Betty, she, well, she invites Ethel and Betty, but Valen tells Kevin to come over for lunch because he has nothing to do on this show but be at Veronica's beck and call. I don't know. He deserves better. Hashtag justice for Kevin. And things get super weird at this lunch when polite conversation turns into Ethel like way oversharing with practical strangers the fact that her parents have been fighting a lot and they're having a ton of financial worries. Guys, they might lose their house with the redonk jacuzzi room. Oh, and naturally Betty tries to make it about herself. My parents are fighting a lot too. Yes, but that's not what we're talking about right now, Betty. That's so very all lives matter of you. Just saying. Veronica, who is trying to be a nicer version of Blair Waldorf than the one she was in New York, officially makes Ethel her pet project. Like, this is the moment that she's like, oh, we're doing this. So Hermione discovers that Ethel is the daughter of one of Hiram's Ponzi scheme victims. So she warns Veronica that Ethel's father is planning... <laughs> Ethel's father's name is Manfred Muggs, by the way. But she is planning to testify against Hiram, which of course sends Veronica off the rails. She's like, as he very well fucking should. They're losing their homes. But she goes into like a full-on guilt-ridden philanthropy mode. So she makes another gesture to Ethel, giving her lots of old clothes that will obviously not fit because the two girls just have very different body types. Like all of that shit was probably couture for Veronica, like and for her particular body and not Ethel's. Like that's, it's not gonna work. It's not a good gift. Also doesn't really seem to be Ethel's style. She doesn't seem to be one that wants to like come in and like Armani dresses and stuff. Um, 
Back at school, Kevin drops the pearl-ripping news to Veronica that Ethel's father apparently tried to kill himself. And it's here that I'd like to bring up a point that my dear friend and soul twin, trademark, copyright 2012, Crystal said today. She said, hey Ethel, how the fuck did you not know that Veronica's last name was Lodge? Like, seriously. Because when Veronica shows up to the hospital flowers and confesses her last name, like, what? That makes no sense. But when she does it, Ethel's mom is like, <laughs> oh, I don't fucking think so. Get out of here, you rich bitch piece of trash. Bye. It was it was kind of awesome. I mean, really sad for Veronica because she didn't do it. Her, you know, she she's not at fault for her father's wrongdoings, and Ethel tells her as such. But <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of funny. Hermione, who has taken the ethical advice of her young daughter, decides to tell Fred that she and Hiram are the anonymous buyers of the drive-in land. Okay, so Fred initially falls on his this fucking town attitude, but after watching the shitstorm of Archie getting used and abused by the Blossoms, he stands up for himself and demands a 20% profit stake for staying on the project. He says that their romantic relationship is over, too. While he, like, angrily scribbles with a pencil. Oh, shit. He's mad. <laughs> it's awesome. Hermione knows it. But in the interest of trying to be a better person and help her family go legit, she agrees to his terms. And, man, her cheeks are intense in this scene. <laughs> like, good God. I, I'm not saying that Marisol Nichols got cheek implants, but... It kind of looks like it because they her cheekbones are like crazy here, but she might have been born with it. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> and Val drops Archie like a bad habit because she suffers no fools and is absolutely not here for any of his nonsense. Yas, queen. She basically tells him that he's done nothing but ignore her since they started dating and she's better than that, to which I give all the clap emojis. Val for president, y'all. Fucking love her. Archie then relays the information that he learned from eavesdropping on Penelope and Clifford to Betty and Jughead, which gives them the idea to put another name on the murder board. Hiram Lodge. Dun, dun, dun. The logic is that... Clifford and Penelope sent Hiram to jail, so he had their son killed. Yeah, that's that's a little different, but whatever. The <laughs> title card, Riverdale. Okay, so for the most Archie comic moment, I'm just going to say the fact that Ethel exists. I don't know. But this episode was a big departure from the comics, in my opinion, but I don't know. Maybe some of this really happened. I'm not sure the best blossom burn i mean we got all the blossoms this week so it was like burn city but i think my favorite is it was just a joke you hobo when jughead like tries to scold cheryl for giving betty shit i i so connect with her on that because i can't tell you how many times people think i'm being sincerely bitchy when i'm just joking like if you can't handle me flipping you off or taking the last red starburst we can't be friends like you're gonna have to roll with the punches and i expect the same in return i'm gonna need you to call me a bitch at least four times a day like that's that's how we work so that was the best burn, but the best Cheryl line of all is when she comes to the Andrews house to gift Archie with a fancy red Les Paul guitar. And when Fred opens the door, she says, Mr. Andrews, looking especially Delphi today. So good. 
so so good I love it and Luke Perry is always looking Delphi um, okay so for good bad funnies I have for my good this week I have two actually so I have goods when Archie stands up to the tertiary blossoms for talking mad shit against Cheryl who she's like right behind them and he's like fuck you she is just as worthy as Jason you pretentious patriarchal assholes yes but before we're, we give Archie too many props, my second favorite scene, the one that I think was really good, is when Val breaks up with Archie. I mean, just like the song playing in her earbuds, her whole like, I don't give a fuck attitude. It just makes me so incredibly happy. I love that scene. Like, this isn't like one of my fave episodes or anything. I mean, it's, it's good. It, it's very intriguing. It moves the plot somewhat. But that's still one of my favorite scenes of the entire series. <laughs> Love it. Um, for my bad, I'm just gonna say the shit with Polly moving into play Nancy Drew. Like, it just doesn't make sense and somehow it actually makes the murder mystery more boring. So, I don't know. For funny, um, this is so very wrong of me to enjoy, but Kevin's attitude to Veronica when she admits that she was basically Regina George at her school in New York, and he thinks she drove a classmate to suicide, but his face is like, oh my god, did you push a girl to suicide? Like, I don't know. Everything about Casey Cott's face right there is, is golden. Oh, <laughs> and, and when Jughead calls Archie a gigolo, beautiful love it so for uh changes I, I can't keep saying polly like it's it's getting boring of me to say how much i think polly is boring so i'm gonna change it up i would change it so that cheryl doesn't kiss archie in that scene but maybe just goes in for a genuine hug so it's it's not such an affront to his relationship with val but somehow she still gets the comfort that she so desperately needs out of the situation. Not to mention the bullshit integrated marketing when she tells him her cover girl lipstick color is like cherry maple and that's why it's so sweet or some shit. I don't know, but that that totally ruined the scene. That wasn't very good anyway. Um, and her stupid play on Archie play on line from the top of the episode. Not a big fan of that one. Um, theories. This episode leans real heavily on how shady the Blossoms are. Also, FP is suspiciously absent from this episode. Could mean something, could mean nothing. I'm not gonna say anymore because I don't wanna spoil anything for you guys. Um, in Sabrina news, still no news that we haven't already delivered. Um, hopefully we'll get a Harvey casted soon so that we have something to talk about in this Real Housewives of Greendale edition. Um, for Skeet's Dadgram Corner, since this was such a Cheryl-heavy episode, I'm granting this week's Skeet comment to a picture that Madeline Petch posted on Instagram back on January 30th of herself laying on this like patent leather gold couch looking very seductive. And the caption reads, is couch testing a real life job? I would excel. To which Skeet commented, beautiful dot 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 couch. <laughs> <laughs> winky tongue sticking out emoji. Oh, skeet. Never change, you darling man. 
All right, pals, I think that's it for today. I know this was a super short one, but we've got a new episode tonight of There Will Be Blood, so um, stay tuned for that, um, unless you're not caught up and then, you know, don't. But this episode, not, not too much happened, so I was kind of able to just, like, give a really brief synopsis instead of breaking it down frame by frame. Um, you can, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. If you want to create a dialogue about any of the episodes that have aired, old or new, um, you can reach me at Sharibi on Twitter, and that's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-B-E-E on Twitter, and Cherie04 on Instagram, and that's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-04, and again, that's for Instagram. Or you can um, you can always email me at realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com, so don't hesitate to call me out if you think I missed something on the recaps or if you think you've got a better blossom burn or skeet comment or even an Archie comic moment because you know I'm, I'm not super familiar with all of the plots so maybe some of this did happen in the comics and I'm just not smart but maybe not. I don't remember a ton about what I did read back in elementary school, but let's talk about it. So I hope you tune in next week when we discuss chapter 10, The Lost Weekend. It is one of my absolute favorite episodes of Riverdale. Very Jughead heavy, um, lots of teen angst. Um, we get a little flash of Dark Betty. It's, it's pretty good. It's a good one. All right, gang. Until next time. We'll make the winter springtime and jingle jangle sing time. Right on to the summer and the fall. So darling, don't be weeping and please don't you be sleeping when I come creeping down the hall.